All right. I mentioned before that I have a big stack of these that if I don't like the ones I got today, then I'll <laughs> I'll use the ones that I like better. So, um, so we have two. Um, And one of them, they're both from my family. Um, and you know, they can ask at dinner, really. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, I mean, no, I, I, I will go through these. But um, before I do, let me just say, uh, you know, the, the reason for this, I, I have two reasons for this, um, for doing this. Um, one of them is that... Um, when I was uh, in seminary, the the preaching professor um, videotaped a sermon I did, and stopped and said that was a good point. And you know, I great, I made a good point. And um, she she engaged me in a little conversation about the point I had made in the in the little sermon that I had done. And then she said, "Okay, now stop." She said, "The you that's right here talking to me about that point is so much better than the one in the videotape." And so I have tried for the last 12 years to be more um, uh, personal and, and less polished in my, in my preaching. And this is a way that helps me to do that as a pastor. So that's, that's my own personal um, developmental desire for doing the, um, the extreme preaching. The other reason is because I don't know necessarily what it is that you're thinking about and if there's theological issues that... Um, that uh, you'd like to understand better. So, um, you know, like I said, my family can can ask the questions at dinner, so um, if this isn't helpful to you, maybe I can find a different way to be um, to, to be less polished in the pulpit, but um, I hope that we can figure out ways to, to do this together and make it something that the whole congregation benefits from. All right, having said that, our first question comes to us from Ecclesiastes. Okay. Um, okay. So Ecclesiastes. Um, we'll use the uh, Pew Bibles and we'll look at... Um, uh, where is Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes is after the Psalms, so near the middle. So in my Bible, the Pew Bible, it's in the 600s. Um, so let's see. Where does it start? So it starts on six fourteen. So um, you've heard parts of this, um, but it's not it's not the place a lot of people's um, Bibles flop open to. Um, so well, there isn't a there isn't a chapter. The question was, um, um, I think that there's a broader question. It says. Um, do we take the advi- uh, the teacher's advice, uh, um, or do we read a different meaning from it? So um, the uh, the the advice the preacher gives is pretty glum. So if you if you haven't read um, Ecclesiastes, do it in a day you're feeling happy. <laughs> don't don't do it in a day when when you're miserable, because Ecclesiastes is more miserable than not. So. Um, let me, uh, so starting on page uh, 614, let's just take a look at the very opening of it. Um, and you get, you get a flavor for what, um, 
Ecclesiastes is like. It says, the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the teacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, um, vanity emptiness, right? Everything is empty. All is vanity. Why do people, what do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation comes and a generation goes. You remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about Eeyore. Okay. So, you know, I'm hearing a lot of that. Uh, the generations come and go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and it hurries to the place where it rises. Okay. And on and on. Um, he talks about how he had all the fun, uh, that he could possibly have and that was boring. Um, or it grew boring. Um, basically, everything he tried to do uh, didn't help, and so um, he's not in a, he's not in a good place. Um, you've heard the part on page six sixteen where he says, "For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, and so forth." He says that that everything fits into the calendar somewhere, but ultimately we really don't. Um, I think care, you know, the, the, the song, you've probably heard the song from the sixties. Um, but, uh, but ultimately why do we care? And he goes on and on like this for quite a while. Um, and, uh, then at the very end, he says, let's see what, what page is that? So at the end, uh, 621, after he's gone on and on for quite a while, um, it says um, in verse 13, the last two verses of the, of the book, it says, um, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of everyone. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. It's like, well, thank you. I'm glad I spent 12, 12 chapters uh, reading that. Um, so, so it can be a hard book to read, um, and yet at the same time, you can't deny its honesty. I think a lot of us have been in a place like that where we just kind of thought, what's the point? You know, yes, I can get up, I can, you know, go to work, I can, you know, put food on the table, I can pay my bills, but why? And so the, 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 the preacher here is wrestling with that same question. And at the end, he says, ultimately, you just do it because you do it. Um, and uh, uh, the only the only real lesson is to fear God. So there's two there's two there's two aspects to this question. The first is is do we take the teacher's advice or do we read a different meaning? Um, he says he says everything is empty. Uh, so is this is this is this teaching? Is he is he telling the truth? You know, we, we wrestle with this. When we're interpreting the Bible, we say everything in the Bible is true. But is the preacher true when he says everything is a waste of time? I think what he's, what he's doing is he's, he's saying, he's saying something that is true in the sense that it's where he is the place he's coming from. It's a true, uh, um, it's a, it's an accurate portrayal of where he is at spiritually. But I don't think it's true. I don't think the Bible is teaching us um, that there is no point to anything on earth. I think we see all through the scriptures, and particularly through the New Testament, that there is a point to life on earth. So Ecclesiastes, um, do you take his advice? Um, you know, there's stuff in here that says, uh, 
Don't go chasing after wine, women, and songs. It's verse two, chapter 2. He says, I got singers, both men and women, and delights of the flesh and many concubines. And he figured out that it was all vanity. So if you're leaning in that direction, um, maybe you could take his advice and say, yeah, but where is this really headed? Um, but I don't think uh, in general that this is meant to be a book of advice. I think it's meant to say um, the questions that we sometimes struggle with are real questions and the answer is more complicated than simply saying, if I get a new shiny toy, or if I enter into a new relationship, or if I get drunk, or something like that, then somehow I can make my life have meaning. I think he's saying that it's harder than that, and in that sense, it's it's a true statement. Um, I don't think it's advice for us, though, um, in, any, in any but the most narrow sense. All right, that's a long answer to a short question. So I'm going to stop there, and we have special music. You know, like the um, football referee, you know, on further review, I was thinking as I listened to the music, um, you know, there there is some, some, there's truth in Ecclesiastes in the sense that, that people have wrestled with these problems before, but... Um, and, and I think many of us wrestle with them from time to time. But I think the, the answer that Scripture gives to the problem that Ecclesiastes identifies is, um, is that the world, the, the problem that Ecclesiastes identifies is the world is a mess, right? Uh, in chapter 3 of Genesis, God tells the man, um, because, of, because you ate the apple, because you, not the apple, the fruit, the fruit of the tree I forbade you. He says, it's going to be hard. He tells the woman that um, in pain you will you will um, bear children. And he says to the man, in toil you shall eat of the ground um, all the days of your life. It's going to be hard because you sinned. And so um, that's kind of the, the opening place we start at in the scriptures. And Ecclesiastes says, yeah, it is. Even when you're the richest, wisest man in the world, it's hard. And what I would say is the rest of the book is God saying, now here's what I'm going to do about it. God is saying, yes, um, I'm not going to leave you there in your misery. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to become one of you. And then I'm going to begin fixing everything that's wrong with creation from the inside out. So... Um, Ecclesiastes, if you take it by itself, you're just going to wind up with the, yeah, I'm eating uh, the the ground, uh, the, the, the thorns and toil uh, make it hard to, to make it through my life. But if you say, okay, all he's doing is reminding us about halfway of what we've known from the very beginning that um, this is going to be hard, I think it's easier to take in that sense. All right. The second question comes to us from Titus. There I was just minutes ago saying um, I should preach from Titus, and the question is Titus 2, 6-8. through 8. So on page 214 in the back section of the Pew Bible, Titus 2, uh, verses 6-8. through 8. Okay, all right. Well, uh, uh, all right. 
Um, so I'll just read what it says. So Titus 2, verses 6 to 8. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, gravity, and sound speech that cannot be censured. Then any opponent will be put to shame, having nothing evil to say of us. Okay. Um, boy. Is there a question? Oh boy! All right, um, all right. This is an example of a. Uh, all right. Um, so I'm cheating. I'm looking at the heading up above. It says "Teach Sound Doctrine." So. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I just lost my place. All right. I need my reading glasses. Okay, so um, so he's talking to Titus. Titus is, uh, he says back in verse 4, Titus is my loyal child in the faith we share. So somewhere along the way during Paul's journeys, he picked up um, this Titus um, who is from Crete. Uh, Crete is an island south of Greece. And um, he says, I left you there so you could uh, get the church going there. One of the things about Paul's ministry is he doesn't, put down roots in a city. He basically does what modern missionaries do, um, or I should say modern missionaries try to do what Paul does, which is to say, I'm going to teach you the gospel, I'm going to give you a copy of the Bible, and then I'm moving on, because you understand your circumstances, you understand your mission field better than um, than I do, because what do I know? I'm a Jew from Tarsus, right? So I show up in Crete, what can I contribute to except the core of the message about Jesus and the um, the the Bible. So that's what modern missionaries try to do. They say, try to say, I, I you know I parachute in here. I give you the Bible. I give you the the gospel, and then I get out of there because you will do better um, on your own than than you would if I stayed here. And so uh, then Paul says, okay, that's what I did. That's chapter one. But chapter two, he says, okay, now I'm going to give you some advice about how to do that. Not what to do, but how to do it. So he says, teach what's consistent with sound doctrine. Um, tell the older men to be temperate. Uh, tell the older women to be reverent in behavior. And then in verse 6, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects a model of good works and so forth. So uh, Paul is telling someone who is a um, uh, one, of, one of the leaders, I don't know how many leaders, but... Uh, uh, one of not many leaders in this uh, church, um, how to behave. And he says, um, part of the mission of the church is to present a good example because um, because who here has ever been embarrassed about a church anywhere? Okay, you know, has anyone here ever watched the news um, or heard a story from a friend and said, uh, you know, not all churches are like that, right? If you've ever, if you've ever found yourself telling a friend, not all churches are like that. Um, that's what what um, t- Paul is telling Titus. He he says he says, um, show yourselves a model of good works in your teaching. Show integrity, gravity, and sound speech that cannot be censored. Then any opponent will be put to shame, having nothing evil to say of us. He's saying. Part of what the church is called to do is to be um, an example that the world can look at and say, I don't know about 
seven days of creation. I don't know about a flood that covered the whole earth. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know a lot of stuff, but I look at them and I say, I wish that I got through life as well as they do. I wish that my response to the questions that I, that Ecclesiastes identified was as good as what the church is coming up with. So he's saying, be that person. Um, it, it's interesting, the verse right after the, the little reading, tell slaves to be submissive to their masters and give satisfaction in every respect. They're not to talk back, not to pilfer, uh, but to show complete and perfect fidelity. So this is an example. You can imagine how that verse has been taken out of context by slave owners to say, you know, you should, you should do this. Um, Titus is saying, um, he's talking to the slaves. He's not a slave owner himself, but he's saying, he's saying, here's what you do. Drive them crazy. Okay. Because you're not acting like any slave would. If you're a slave, all you've got is what you can steal, right? And what do you owe this person, you know, who's taken your life from you? You don't owe them anything. So why not steal? And what, what, um, what, uh, Titus is told is tell them, don't do that. Don't do the obvious thing because then you'll just fit in with the crowd. You'll, you'll be, you'll be like all the other slaves. He says the young men who are irreverent will, and, uns- and not self-controlled, they will be like all the other young men. And he says, don't be that. Be different so that the Christians have a different, um, so that Christians are perceived differently in the world. Um, so, you asked for a specific application. I mean, I, you know, I think that that's a broad application that applies to every church. Um, how it fits in with uh, the the modern church in North America? Um, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Um, well, you know, there's plenty of us older men need that too. But um, uh, you know, there's a I'll, I'll I'll make this my last one. I've got a bunch more, um, but I'll I'll wrap up with this. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that the church is supposed to turn itself over. You know, for 2,000 years, Christians have handed the church off to new generation of Christians. We're all waiting for Jesus to return. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see the most trouble in the, the, the current generation. You see a lot of churches closing because there's nobody to hand the church off to. Even churches that have big endowments and, and you know, um, are able to deal with the, the cost of maintaining a facility, um, oftentimes they, um, they find themselves in a place where they don't know who to hand the church over to. And I think when I look at the mission of this church, I think, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I see all the things this church does so well. And I think to myself, what is our, what is our mission? And I think, uh, to the outside world, our mission is to continue doing those things, to show, um, with our words and our actions, um, the love of Christ in our community. But internally, what is our mission internally? Our mission internally is to, um, to identify people who are younger than us and basically hand them the keys. Um, that's a, that's a big project. I mean, they look around. I don't want to single anybody out, but I see more people with gray hair like mine than people who don't have gray hair. And so finding, finding people, um, uh, helping them, um, become comfortable with 
who they are in Christ, and then saying, okay, um, like Paul did with Titus, take it from here. We're not going to help you at this point because what do we have to tell millennials about you know, how, how Christ wants to be a part of their life? We don't understand that. So I think um, uh, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. I think, yeah, I think the church needs to be looking at younger men, younger women, and saying, um, how can we help you put into practice the things that, that the faith teaches us so that um, ultimately you can be the people whose church this is um, and we'll be the old folks standing around, um, you know, patting your kids on the head and saying, aren't they cute? So, um, so uh, you know, we need, we, need to, we need to move out of our role as leaders in the church um, and hand, hand off that role to a younger generation. So, all right, and I will stop with that. Um, let's pray. Loving and holy God, you have given us this uh, magnificent set of scriptures. There is so much wisdom in it, um, and there's particularly wisdom in in identifying our predicament, to helping us to understand that um, that we're not kidding ourselves. The world is as messed up as it appears to be when we look at the the news on TV. Um, when we look at our own relationships, sometimes when we look in the mirror, Lord. We see a world that is disordered and um, not what you made it to be. Um, so we thank you for the wisdom of the the prophets and the saints who accurately um, spoke to that in the scriptures, so that we can we can have a touch point and say yes, this is this is reality. But Lord, we thank you also that um, you didn't leave us in that place. That if the world is a is a, a mess that you you showed us that um, that we can suffer our way out of it. Um, Jesus came to show us that it is it is those things that the preacher tried to do that that didn't work. The obvious things, the things that sit in front of us, the the things that tempt us, the 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 wine and the women, the pursuit of knowledge, uh, the pursuit of leisure. All these things we try to do to make the world a better place, Lord. Jesus came to show us that it's actually in giving of ourselves um, that we are healed and that we become part of your solution to the problems of the world. Lord, we thank you for the letters of Paul and particularly the wisdom that he instills uh, to his missionary partners. Help us to become like them, to listen to Paul, uh, not simply for advice for our own lives, but for wisdom as we seek to um, hand the gospel over to a new generation. We pray all these things, Lord, in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.